right from the beginning of the Bible. You have two types of food. You have ordinary food that keeps your body strong and divine food that feeds your soul. We need food from the earth, but we also need food from heaven, from the tree of life. From Wrestling with God Productions, this is Life Lessons from Jesus and the Church He Founded. Welcome to the podcast where we unpack stories from the Bible and explore 2,000 years of rituals and traditions in the church Jesus founded to recognize the powerful effect they have on deepening our relationship with God. I'm your host, Irish McMahon. Our guide for the journey is a guy who loves studying the history of worship and God's intentions for how and why we worship. He's Irish Catholic priest, Father Len McMillan. In this episode, Father Len explains why trees are so prominent in the Bible and how they symbolize and reveal the path to eternal life, including the choices we make and the food we need to eat along the way. Father Len begins by clarifying what food we're really praying for in the Lord's Prayer. Here's Father Len. You know in English when we pray, give us each day our daily bread? The wording is actually incorrect. Jesus never said, give us each day our daily bread. What Jesus said was, give us each day the bread of super substance, the bread of life. So really, when you pray the Lord's Prayer, you're not praying for daily bread. You're praying for the bread of life, which is the Eucharist. So this is a way of studying the Eucharist by using the Bible. I'm going to start with the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden has this Eucharistic theme to it, except it's caught up in the theme of trees and the tree of life. Now, here's something I just absolutely love. Do you know what the third most common symbol in the Bible is? It's a tree. If you highlight the word tree in the Bible, in the Hebrew or the Greek, um, what you have is a forest of trees in the Bible. God devotes a lot of real estate to the theme of trees in the Bible. It's mentioned more than any other animal or or, uh, thing. Only God is mentioned more. So tree is third. God loves trees. God loves trees so much, every birthday he gives them a ring. So, So really, you could drop your Bible on the floor and whatever page it came to, I guarantee you, the word tree would show up. So this sounds kind of strange. Trees are a big part of worship in the Bible. But there's one tree that really is connected with worship. Not all trees, but one tree. And that is the tree of life. That's the one tree. That's why, it's actually a rubric, that there's one tree in every church and only supposed to be one tree in every church. So here's a question. What's the one tree that's supposed to be in the center of the church? It's the cross. So from the first book of the Bible, in Genesis, you have the tree of life. Then in the last book of the Bible, guess what's in the center of heaven? Tree of life. So the tree of life is a big theme. It's the beginning, an end, and more importantly, it's in the middle. And in the middle is the cross. But for those who have kind of keen spiritual eyes, 
the theme of the tree of life is not just in those three spots. It's threaded throughout or hinted throughout beginning end of the Bible. So, going through this, let's start with the Garden of Eden. Garden of Eden, in case you didn't know this, is on the top of a mountain. Mountain of God, Garden of Eden, heaven. And on the very tip top of the mountain, guess which is what is on the very tip top of the mountain? It's the tree of life. But here's the odd part. Genesis says that God planted the tree of life in the center of the garden. And in the Hebrew, it seems that, if you read in Hebrew, the tree of life is pre-existing the garden. The tree of life is not from the garden. God put it there in the center. The tree of life just seems to be there. It's not growing from the ground. It's the only tree that God planted there. The other trees in the garden, it says that they grew up from the ground. Unlike the tree of life, that seems to come from heaven. And when it says it's in the center, that theme is going to repeat over and over, the center. But it doesn't mean like the exact center of, you know, a 20-mile radius, uh, you know, 20 miles, 14 inches, and, I don't know, 6 millimeters. It's not a pinpoint location in the Hebrew. By center, the Hebrew means that the tree of life is the source of life for all the other trees. So it gives a sense that you have this pre-existing tree of life that causes the other ones to grow. And just that phrase, tree of life, it should trigger in you, oh, the breath of life happens just before that. That the tree of life and the breath of life are connected together. It's describing the creation of humanity. So God scoops up the earth and makes the earthling in the Hebrew, but then gives the earthling, uh, just because I love this stuff, I get a little carried away. God gives all the animals a soul as well, but into the nephesh, the soul of us earthling, God puts the breath of life. And so you have the breath of life and the tree of life. In the Hebrew, you hear kind of a similarity. So like the trees that grow up from the ground, the earthling comes from the ground, the earth. But the breath of life and the tree of life only comes from God. So ah, our soul is filled with the, the breath of life that makes us unique, but also what we feed on is the fruit from the tree of life. And the next part of the story is God gives them the command that there's food from the tree of life, which is not ordinary food. The tree of life, it has a special fruit. And in the fruit bears part of God's spirit if you eat that fruit. So we come from the ground like the ordinary trees, and the ordinary trees give us ordinary food that keeps our earthly body alive. The fruit from ordinary trees just gives us nourishment from the ground because we're created from the ground. But the tree of life, that fruit, it feeds our soul. So we're from the earth, but we have part of God's spirit. So you can exist a long time without food but you can't exist a long time without breath. And the fruit, fruit from the tree of life, it gives you part of God's spirit. 
Now the whole point about this is that right from the beginning of the Bible, you have two types of food. You have ordinary food that keeps your body strong and divine food that feeds your soul. We need food from the earth, but we also need food from heaven, from the tree of life. Now, if you're wondering where I'm going, so yes, the Eucharist is food from the tree of life. And the cross is the tree of life. And we eat the fruit of the tree of life. And what is on the cross? If we're eating from the tree of life, the Eucharist, we're eating the presence of Christ. Um, I just like that. Right from the beginning, you have two types of food. Divine food and ordinary food. And when it comes to the food of the tree of life, and I love this, God gives this double command where God says, eat, eat. So the tree of life has this fruit that bears some of God's spirit. And God's command for us is not just to eat it. He he says, we can eat from the ordinary trees, but from the tree of life, we eat, eat. (laughs) I'll explain why it always has these double words when it's really something important. The double command of eat, eat, it means you really, really have to eat it. Adam and Eve are commanded to enjoy eternal life. And if you eat the fruit from the tree of life, you eat eternal life. So I love that eat, eat. Uh, Also, I'll explain eternal life in a second. But Adam and Eve, you know the story, they chose a paltry life. God says not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and selfishness. I know you guys are used to thinking the knowledge of good and evil, but technically the Hebrew doesn't say evil, it says selfish. So when Satan convinces Adam and Eve that they won't die, so It's a serpent. That's kind of key. Satan comes as a serpent. And there's different forms of death. So Satan convinces them to eat from the other tree. But if you eat from the wrong tree, there's the tree of knowledge of good and selfishness and the tree of life. The serpent says, oh, no, you're not meant to be human beings. You're meant to be gods. You can become a god. Eat from that tree. And then, well, God said you would die, die if you eat from that tree. Repeat the words. And Satan says, oh, you won't die. Now, this is the analogy of what's called the cut flowers analogy. The idea is this. Like flowers, they might be beautiful, but once you cut them, technically they're dead. But they're very beautiful for at least a week. But they're dead and they just don't look it. So we could be dead inside, but look quite beautiful. It's a cut flowers analogy. So when human beings are cut off from being fed with God's life, we're cut off from the source of life and we're exiled from the garden into the desert where we will die. So being cut off from the tree of life, we're the cut flowers. So there's this false image that in the garden, human beings would live forever. Technically, human beings can only live if they're connected to the tree of life. Only God is eternal. Not me, not even my mother, who's pretty holy. So to have eternal life, that's a really rare phrase in the, in the Hebrew, in the Bible. Eternal life is used in Genesis, and it's connected to eating from the tree of life. And it's picked up by Jesus in the gospel. And so the tree of life would renew us with eternal life. But you have to be connected to the tree. 
And so the tree is not God. The tree is a place where humanity gathers to meet God and be fed on God's life. So you have this contrast, and I love this. And this theme is all through the Bible as well. Not only do you have divine food and ordinary food, but all life is a choice between two trees. The tree of life or the tree of, I'm going to call it, it's too long to say knowledge of good and selfishness, so I'm just going to cut it down to the tree of selfishness. All life is a choice between these two trees. And the hard part, if you read the story, where is a tree of selfishness located? If you read the story, it seems to be the tree of selfishness seems to be located right next to the tree of life. But it doesn't seem to be planted in the ground either. So what is this tree of life? It's not an ordinary tree, nor is it planted by God. The tree of selfishness is not really the opposite of the tree of life because it doesn't say it's a tree of evil. So think of this. All life is a choice between these two trees. So just want to explain what the tree of selfishness is. When it says the knowledge of good and selfishness, it doesn't mean knowledge in the sense of a virtue, like scientific knowledge or historic knowledge. By knowledge, it means an experience of a range of good to evil. So there's certain knowledge that you don't want. Somebody who's been raped, they have knowledge of the breath of good and selfishness. But is being raped the best way to gain the knowledge of just how brutal the world is? You say, why is he mentioning this? Because some people say, well, knowledge is a good thing. Uh, Some things you don't need to know. Or some things you can know about the horror of life without actually having to eat the fruit of that pain. So remember, Adam and Eve, if you read it, they were naive and immature, fully human, but immature. And God had intended them to gain the knowledge of good and selfishness, but by way of wisdom rather than through pain. So any parent, they want their kid to be able to distinguish good from evil and danger from safe. But a good parent reveals that knowledge by wisdom, not by inflicting pain on them. So you don't want to eat from the tree of selfishness. So... When you're in a forest, which tree is in the middle of the forest? The one you're looking at, right? Uh, The one that has your attention. So the tree of life is in the center of the garden from God's perspective. That's what God says. But Eve, when Eve speaks, the tree in the middle of the garden for her, because for Adam and Eve, they decide that they want power. They want to become God themselves. And so the tree they suddenly see in the center of the garden is the tree of knowledge and selfishness. And God says, uh, the day you eat from that tree of selfishness, you will die, die. It means you will really die. So you have this contrast between eat, eat, and die, die. And it keeps repeating it. So God doesn't want to kill them But it says the fruit from that tree, that will bring about a death. So eating that has consequence. It will kill the relationship between us and God to eat from that tree. And when they eat from the tree, suddenly Adam and Eve can't get along. They're separated from each other. They're separated from God. They're separated from each other. They're separated from creation. And it says they hide from each other. 
like, I love the poetry of that. You know when it says hide from each other, it doesn't mean they can't physically see. It means they've learned to be deceptive. And remember, it's the serpent who tricked them into it. The tree of life, you eat from that, you gain eternal life, but you also preserve your humanity. Satan comes in the form of a reptile so that it's subhuman. So it's you try and become a god and gain all power. You don't become better. You become less than human. That was the temptation. So how do you get to the tree of life? To get to the tree of life, you have to walk by the tree of selfishness. So you have to sacrifice a little to eat from the tree of life. To eat from the tree of life, you have to sacrifice your ego, you obey the will of God, you see the world as God sees. You just have to deny yourself eating from the low-hanging fruit of the tree of selfishness to eat from the tree of life. So like, you can say, yeah, you just eat from the tree of life. No, nah, actually, to eat even from the Eucharist, there is a sacrifice. You have to be willing to sacrifice something to eat this divine food. And it is die to your ego. So to eat from the tree of life, you have to die to your ego. So St. Paul, he quotes this ancient Christian baptismal hymn in Philippians where it says, Christ did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at. Because remember, Adam and Eve tried and grasped at divinity. Rather, Christ emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant. It kind of refers to the, well, it does refer to the tree of life. You don't get a grass at divinity, you receive it. And how you receive it is first by emptying yourself out of every sense of power and ego. That's why St. Paul, he's referring to the tree of life. That the tree of life is the way of the cross. The way of the cross is dying to your ego. You don't take communion, you receive it. By first emptying yourself on the way of the cross, dying to your pettiness and everything, then you have access to the tree of life. Or in the end of the book of Revelation, to get into heaven, John sees heaven. In the middle of heaven, there's the tree of life. But to get to the tree of life, he gets into heaven. But John is met by this angel with flames in his eyes, and he's holding a sword. The sword means sacrifice. So to get into heaven, you have to go through the angel. To get into heaven, you have to go through self-sacrifice. To get to the tree of life in heaven, you better be willing to sacrifice yourself. That's the way of the cross. And if you notice, the same thing happens at the beginning of the Bible. What guards the entrance to the tree? Cherubs with flaming swords, which symbolizes the one thing Adam and Eve, they can't get back into the Garden of Eden because they don't understand the way of the cross, the way of self-sacrifice. You want to have communion with the tree of life? First, you take up the way of the cross. You take what the sword symbolizes sometimes. You die to yourself. So Adam and Eve don't want to sacrifice to their egos. They want to become gods rather than become one with God. They're abusing the good. I, I just love this, but think about this. To eat from the tree of life first demands a moral code. You just can't walk up to the tree. It demands, before you eat the fruit that bears part of God's spirit, it's a moral code. And the moral code is to sacrifice for something. 
Satan's temptation for them is to become equal with God by becoming, trying to become a God yourself. So, in the story, when it says, quote-unquote, Eve saw the fruit as good, what that means, let me decipher that for you. What that means is that Adam and Eve has decided we will decide what is good and what is not good. Rather than see the world as God sees what's good, no, I get to define my own morality. So only God is a source of true morality. But they want to be like God and decide on their own what is moral and not moral. So, yeah, access to the Eucharist demands a certain moral code. And so this is kind of my point. All of life is a choice between two trees. You don't have to earn the tree of life. God freely gives it. But you do have to choose not to do something. Not to hate, not to be ego. You do have to choose to sacrifice a little selfishness. That's what it means when it says, she saw the fruit as good. That Adam and Eve wanted to find their own morality. Eating the Eucharist, eating from the tree of life, means that you don't get a redefined goodness. You see and live as God does. So jumping to the point, throughout the Bible, in every major moral incident, you'll also notice two trees. And they symbolize the tree of life. Either you're going to go the way of the tree of life or you're going to go the way of selfishness. All the Bible is this repeated theme. Which tree are you going to choose from? The tree that we always gather around, every mass is the cross. We gather around that tree and make a decision, oh, we're going to follow the morality of Christ. Week after week, we're renewing this idea that, oh, our choice will be to see the world as God sees it. So personally, I know I'm going to be a little assertive here, but I jokingly think to myself about Protestants that they worship at the foot of the cross, right? They, they wear crosses around their neck, but they don't eat from the tree of life that they worship. They don't often believe in the Eucharist, but you believe in the tree of life, the cross. So like, you're, we're supposed to eat from the tree. And to eat from the tree is to see the world and other people as God sees them. To eat from the tree of life is to accept self-sacrifice is our morality. So Christ shows us the way. He offers himself as a sacrifice. He accepts the cup of suffering. To receive the Eucharist is to accept the teachings of Christ. So the tree of life is this connection between us and God. Religion is this connection between us and God. So we get a little bit of a glimpse of the tree of life that keeps coming up over and over when we're making the right moral choices, in the Bible, it'll always give little glimpse of the tree of life. When we're making the wrong choices in the Bible, it'll give a little glimpse of tree of selfishness. So all of life is this pointing between the two trees. And I'm going to explain this in 10 seconds. I just want to, well, maybe two minutes. So I just, I love the tr all these themes of Ordinary food, divine food, right from the beginning. Right from the beginning, uh, you can get access to the tree of life, but you have to have a morality. You have to sacrifice something. All this is a very Eucharistic theology. All of worship is worshiping which tree are you going to 
make your command to. So we'd say, well, worship, definition of worship is eating from the tree of life. In Judaism, worship is all about what you eat. And the primary example of what we're hungering for the most is what? The fruit from the tree of life. So how do Jews worship? With food. How do Catholics worship? With food. But biblical worship is all about eating, choosing the right divine food to feast on. And the ultimate meal is not from the ground, but from God. The story of the Bible is just a story. How do we get back to the Garden of Eden? How do we get back to the tree of life? So worship is about eating the right food. No offense, worship was never meant to be a rock concert. Nowhere in the Bible do you say, you know, let's worship God by having a rock concert. I mean, it's nice. I love, well, country music. But that's emotionalism disguised as worship. It's not a roadmap back to the tree of life. The tree of life keeps coming up over and over in the Bible because it reminds us that good religion is about having this hunger for the tree of life. Bad religion leads to death. So religion is about eating from the right tree. Worship is about eating the food that gives us eternal life. Our worship of the Eucharist is returning to God's original plan, which no offense is not a rock concert. It's a divine meal from God. So there's two types of food we need ordinary food that keeps our bodies strong, and divine food from Jesus that feeds our souls. And worship is about a divine meal with God, eating the divine food from Jesus that gives us eternal life. Got it. Thanks, Father Len. Thanks for listening to this episode of Life Lessons from Jesus and the Church He Founded. We welcome your comments and questions. It's easy to get those to us. You can just shoot me an email. My address is irish at wwgproductions.org. That's irish at wwgproductions.org. Or... Text or leave me a voicemail at 208-391-3738. That's 208-391-3738. This podcast is created and distributed by Wrestling With God Productions. Our theme music is composed and performed by Jake Einick and Kevin Barnett. The lifeblood of Wrestling With God Productions comes from generous donors who support our mission. It takes lots of time and money to design, record, edit, distribute, and promote the podcasts we create. So, if you've benefited from one of our podcasts, please consider making a donation at givesendgo.com slash WWG Productions. That's givesendgo.com slash WWG Productions. Thanks for your support, and thanks for listening. See you next time.